Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Full show today, all 90 minutes, going up until 7 o'clock. Red Sox baseball begins at 7-10. First pitch, 8-10. Sox in Kansas City against the now-depleted Royals. And joining us now is our ESPN MLB insider, Buster Olney. Buster, am I correct? Are you in Vermont right now? I am in Vermont. I'm in Addison County as we speak. Well, good. Uh, very excited about that. How are you? I, I am well. Any big plans while you're in the Green Mountain State? Uh, <laughs> just a lot of paperwork, actually. And then, you know, getting ready. Uh, I'm going to be walking a lot of dogs, I think, at a local park. Uh, and then getting ready for a, a vacation to Lake George is to be a lot of fun. Oh, well, good for you. I'm from the Albany area, so I've been to Lake George many times. Hope that you enjoy it. Uh, before we get into the Red Sox trade deadline and your thoughts on it, which were pretty strong, let me ask you about yesterday's Red Sox-Astros game. Jordan Alvarez was given four strikes against Rich Hill in the third inning, and nobody caught it. How is that possible? You've seen this video, right? Uh- Knowing like all of the, the the folks involved, if you ever have a conversation with Rich Hill, he is a you know a hyperactive. He has a hyperactive mind. Like he's on top of everything. And then of course you have all the umpires there. Four umpires, not one of them caught it. And then I I've known Alex Cora forever, and he is as bright a baseball mind as I've ever seen. And if you you know I've done sideline reporting in Red Sox games and hear him, he's on every pitch. Up, you know, where he is just reacting to everything. His coaches are the same way. So you think about all the people involved who had an opportunity to recognize that there were four strikes and they didn't do it. It really is incredible. I mean, we're lucky that Alvarez just ended up grounding out instead of something happened that actually affected the game. What would have happened if if that play had affected an outcome? Well, I don't think there's anything they could have done about it. Um, I think once the next pitch is thrown... Uh, that's it. Now, I, you know, I haven't at gone and formally asked somebody who knows the rules better than I do if that's actually the case. But that's my understanding is that typically it's kind of like, you know, you and I will always remember the game that Armando Galarraga threw where yeah. he should have had a perfect game. But Jim Joyce, the uh, first base umpire, blew a call. And, and so, so many people have gone back and said, boy, you should have just, uh, once Jim Joyce acknowledged that he'd blown the call, that we should go back and we should change the result. You can't do that. You know, because once you start pulling on that thread and setting precedent, can you imagine hmm. other situations sure. that you're going to create for yourself? So I think everyone would have been lived with it, and then somebody would have shown Rich Hill the video, and knowing his personality, he would have gone and kicked the chair. <laughs> hey, let's talk about the trade deadline and what the Red Sox did or what the Red Sox didn't do. Here, Here's how I saw it, and I said this at the time. I didn't like the Red Sox trade deadline because they didn't buy enough to be buyers. They didn't sell enough to be sellers. I thought they got better in some spots and worse in others, and I don't quite know exactly what the direction is right now. You had some pretty harsh words on the Red Sox deadline. How do you feel now 48 hours removed? Yeah, and you summed it up better than I did uh, in the way that you just described it. I think you're exactly right. I think you either got to go you know, hard one way or hard another. And the idea that you're going to thread a needle if you're a big market team, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, if you're the Oakland Athletics, you're the Tampa Bay Rays, and you're constantly managing payroll, okay, you could see a a case where they, you know, take some resources and and make a deal and then reallocate those to, to fill another need. If you're the Boston Red Sox, the idea that, you know, you're going to, you know, wake up on a, on a Tuesday and have an opportunity to get Eric Hosmer, you know, with the Padres basically eating all of his money. Think about that. Yeah. Uh, 
and then it begs the question, okay, then why did you give away your catcher the day before? Or give away is too strong, but okay, you, you upgraded your defensive first base, but you didn't get better overall because you gave away your all-star catcher. Uh, I, it doesn't make sense, and I tell you this, uh, it, it absolutely jumped out at me when uh, we were doing the broadcast on Monday. We had the Red Sox against the Astros in Houston. The confusion, the uncertainty, uh, frustration, anger, however you want to describe it, among the players, folks in the clubhouse, was a- as strong as I've ever seen it with any team. Uh, they were really upset, and it was reflected in what Xander Bogart said the next day, where even after they get you know Hosmer, and even after they make other moves, he's still questioning exactly what the direction is. You know, I have given Hyam Bloom a pass for a lot of things, and I've rationalized a lot of moves, and I've defended Hyam Bloom a lot in the last three years because I just didn't think that the team was, you know, that the team was ready. You know, unquote. There, you asked the question yesterday, I believe, on ESPN Radio when you said, "When are the Red Sox going to start to act like a big market team again?" and I said, this offseason for me is where the rubber meets the road. The Red Sox are going to have at at least $60 million free. And if Xander Bogarts leaves, $80 million free to go and do a bunch of things this offseason. This is the offseason I think the Red Sox need to get back into the arms race. Do you think that that is where the pressure really ramps up on High and Bloom? Uh, I think it already is ramping up big time. Uh, you know, the reaction from the media. Uh, you know, I'm only around the Red Sox a handful of days every year. You're seeing, you know, the beat writers really tapping into that that frustration. If I were close friends with Heim, who is a terrific guy, he's great to talk with. Um, you know, I've told you before the perception of him in other front offices. They think he's really uh, a great guy. They think he's really smart. Um, that, that what I would say to Heim Bloom, if he were a friend, would be, you need to build these bridges because they are not in existence based on what the feedback that I'm getting is uh, from players, from folks in your organization. Uh, the perception of Haim is that he's really isolated, hmm. that he doesn't, he's not necessarily widely inclusive. And I'm not in the front office to know if that's true, but that's the perception of him. That's a simple, hard fact. Here's the other thing, too. You know, I'm, I'm starting to think about this. John Henry's ownership uh, of the Red Sox has been phenomenal. Four championships, you know, the renovation of, of Fenway Park, the you know the ending of the the long streak of, of years without winning a championship. And, and if John Henry were a close friend, I'd say to him, "Do you have the passion that you once did to be owner of this team? Are you willing to pay you know players uh, the market value?" And, you know, lately the answer's been no, given Mookie Betts, given Xander Bogart. And if the answer from John Henry is no, if, you know, if I had that conversation as a friend of his, then I would say, you know what, it might be time for you to start thinking about selling the team. Hmm. Does all of your other interests, you know, do, you know, your interest in Liverpool and the Penguins, et cetera, all of that is either distracting you or making you less aggressive as a baseball owner and, and having lower demands? then maybe it's time to start thinking. And by the way, there'd be no shame in that. He has been a phenomenal owner. But it, it just feels like right now that they're just not acting like hmm. a big market team should. Buster Olney of ESPN with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. You mentioned Hyam Bloom building those bridges. Well, Hyam Bloom went to Houston. He's going to travel with the team to Kansas City, allegedly to be there with the players to answer questions or talk about processes with them. 
Is that something that is typical? Is that a good idea because it shows him building bridges? Or is it a sign that things are so bad that he has to make house calls? Yeah, it's long overdue. Uh, you know, again, I, I'm not around the team every day, but I can say flat out the perception is is that Heim um, he, he does not have a comfortable relationship in the way, for example, you know, back in the day Pat Gillick did with players or Theo Epstein. Um, and, and, and it's not to say that they have to be friends with the players. It doesn't mean that you're hanging out and, and uh, you know, drinking wine every night, but there has to be a, a better relationship so that when – if stuff happens, the reaction isn't what we saw from the Red Sox players the other day, which was, what's going on? And look, you, you saw on television that big moment when Christian Vasquez yeah. was asked by reporters about the trade that had just been made, and he had that glassy-eyed look, and he was pulled away from reporters. The person who pulled him away was the Red Sox translator, because mm. there was not a member of the front office who was there. Heim was not there. One of his uh, you know, chief lieutenants was not there. That's a bad situation, and maybe, you know, Haim, with the feedback that he got, figured that out. That needs to get better. Jackie Bradley Jr. designated for assignment today. Um, look, I, I I always thought Jackie Bradley Jr. should have been a fourth outfielder. I think he played far too much for this team. That said, I am surprised that this happened, especially on the heels of the Vasquez trade. How do you think this move lands in the clubhouse? Uh, well, first off, full disclosure, you know, two years ago when he was a free agent, I ripped the Red Sox for not signing him uh, aggressively because he'd been a good player. That clearly, I was wrong uh, with that opinion. So, you know, they went out. He, he plays one year with the Brewers, doesn't hit very well. They trade him for Hunter, Hunter Renfro, which is looking more and more like that was a bad deal uh, that they did. I, I, I think it's going to land fine in the clubhouse because the okay. fact is Jackie hasn't hit. You know, I mean, it's a competitive business, and, and the fact is he's just not close to what he was offensively in 2018. Buster, I'll get you out of here on two questions, one fun and one somber. We'll start with the somber one first. I am curious about your either memories or maybe meetings with Vin Scully. So, as you know, I grew up a huge Dodger That's fan right, yeah. in Randolph Center. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have a television, uh, and so I never saw him uh, do games on television while I was growing up. And the first time I heard him was actually on an LP following the championship seasons in 1981. You know, his voice was like the a voice of a baseball god, which is why I was afraid of him. Like, hmm. I didn't approach him uh, as, a, as a reporter. I steered around him. And, and I, I'm not starstruck by players, but I was starstruck by Ned Martin, who I listened to at WDV, and I was totally starstruck. Never broadcasting when it came out of my podcast and he spoke to me like it was here which was totally like he is peerless he's the greatest of all time Buster, I'll get you out of here on a more fun one green mountain league men's league playoffs coming up this weekend i've got the ball in either game one or two against the vermont black Sox. be honest with you i've had a pretty good year i've had a pretty good run in men's leagues for the last decade but uh Last weekend, last regular season game, hardest I've been hit in probably eight years. think I gave up seven earned runs in four innings. It was ugly. Too many fastballs, too much of the plate. You got any good tips about guys who have gotten hammered and then come back and given a good playoff effort here? I need some confidence boosts. Yeah. First off, you got to have a short memory. You also need to work faster, and you need to throw your change up more. There you go. 
I, I think that's going to be what it's going to come. Pitch, <laughs> I'm going to have to pitch backwards against these guys, Buster. A lot of first pitch sliders. Hopefully, they're not listening to the strategy. Well, and I, and it sounds like you don't have much of a change up the way you're describing your stuff. But if your fastball got hit, you got to throw the change up more. I think my fastball was acting like a change up, and that was the problem. So my change up <laughs> might uh, my change up might uh, you know if my change up's at 59 and my fastball's at 72, we'll have a good separation there. Hey, uh, Buster, real quick, Red Sox. They're hovering around the race. Do you buy that they're really in it, or are there are too many teams to catch and their schedule's too tough? No, they're absolutely in it. Uh, do I think they're going to make it at this point? No, because I think the Mariners are for real. I yes! think the Blue Jays are a better Woo! team. Uh, and I think the Rays are a better team. But I would say this. They're not chasing immortals when you're talking about the Rays with all the injuries they've had. Uh, but if you can't keep up, if you're the Boston Red Sox, you got a payroll basically four times the size of the Rays. Goodness. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Buster only just told me the Mariners are for real, so I can have a good Thursday the rest of the night, no matter what happens to the Red Sox and Royals tonight. So, Buster, thank you. Enjoy Vermont, and we'll talk in seven days. Although you're going to be on vacation. Are we talking in seven days? Uh, Yes, in seven days we will be talking. The week after that we'll have a conversation about that (laughs) going up.